Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to Positively Trek. And we want to give a shout out to our patrons on Patreon, including Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, Jim Stoffel, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, and Paul D. Kinnear. We want to thank you for your contributions to the podcast. Now, if you would like to be a patron on Patreon, you can join us at patreon.com slash positively trek, where you get early access to episodes, exclusive content, shout outs, and associate producer credits. So thank you again for listening. And now let's fly. Boimler, what are what? you doing up here? Just wanted to catch up in the old hover boots and see if you guys needed a climbing partner. Hi, Dr. Tana. You didn't bring any gear? Well, I, I, I have a shirt and, uh, you know. Good thing safety protocols are on. They, they are on, right? I don't know. Sure. Boy, I tell you, Bruce, if I knew Klingon, I would start this episode in Klingon. But that is one area of my fandom I actually uh, don't know. So I'm just going to have to do this in English, I'm afraid. Welcome, everyone, to Positively Trek, our Lower Decks review show for this week. How's it going, Bruce? It's going well. I don't speak Klingon either or Klingonese. But I'm just curious, Dan, do you have a Klingon dictionary? You know, I did the the Marco Crand one from way back when with the three Klingons from Star Trek Three on the front. Yes. I did have that. It must be in some box somewhere, or maybe it's still at my parents' place somewhere. I'm not sure. But yeah, I did have that. And I, I never learned Klingon, but I did read through that and like looked at the different phrases and stuff. And I thought it was the coolest thing. I don't think I ever had that. I know I didn't have the physical book. I'm just looking now to see if I bought it as an ebook one time, but I don't even think I did. I don't think I've ever had that one. So yeah, it's up to you. If, if anybody's going to speak Klingon on today's show, it's it's going to have to be you. You better find that book. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, there's there's the phrases that every Trekkie knows, I, like nukhne, which is their greeting, which I think literally translates as what do you want, which I, I always thought that was one of the funniest things that that's... That's how Klingons say hello. They say, what do you want? Uh, and of course, kapla. Everybody knows kapla. Yes. I run into people in my everyday life that when they find out that I like Star Trek, they ask me to say something in Klingon. And I would say, kapla. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's about all I know. Do you remember, and I think this was a couple years ago now, there's the story of two Star Trek fans who met at a convention that they didn't know each other's native language but they both knew klingon and they got to become friends oh, that way oh no, really i have not heard this i think that's beautiful i love it 
I, I think it was a guy and a girl, but I, I'm not 100%, but it was kind of cool. Wow. Can you imagine? Klingon could be the universal language of Star Trek fans. If we all are from different countries <laughs> speaking different languages, we can all communicate through Klingon. That would be something. I Yeah, I don't know that I want to put in the time to learn Klingon, but... Uh, the reason we're talking about the Klingon language for this episode is the title of this episode, which I believe the the closest translation or the closest pronunciation I've seen of it would be "we douche," is is my best guess, and that is that is the title of this week's episode of Lower Decks. That was actually really good. I don't know if you pronounced it correctly, but it sounds good. That is a lot better than what I would have done. I was just looking at my notes, and when I saw the title, I was like, I'm glad I'm not leading today's episode. <laughs> well, I'll let you in on a secret. I have no idea if I pronounced that correctly either. I'm relying on other people who have told me that's how to pronounce it. But I don't know. I could have said, you know, combo number three with gach on the side, please. Like, I have no idea. That right. that could be what I said. Well, when I saw the episode listed in my app for Paramount Plus, it, it was spelled with, you know, letters that we recognize, mm -hmm. right? But then when the episode played and on screen, it was in the Klingon writing. Yeah, that was a nice surprise. So same here. I watch it on Crave in Canada and it was W-E-J-D-U-J -E yeah. was how it is on mine. But then, yeah, you load up the episode and the, the title card of the episode is in Klingon script, which I thought that was hilarious. I love that. Yeah, because you couldn't type that in the app because no one has those keys on a keyboard, right? We don't have Klingon fonts. I mean, they could, but <laughs> it's like, no. Can you imagine going to IMDb and somebody's looking through episode titles and they're like, what the heck is that? What language is that? What, you know, what do those symbols mean? I mean, who would have that to type those in? Well, and also I have this, this may be revealing too much of my nerdiness, but I have a spreadsheet where I have all of the titles of Star Trek episodes arranged alphabetically. <gasps> So if this were in Klingon script, where the heck would I put that? I guess either at the beginning or the very end. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, yeah. You would really have a problem there. You wouldn't be able to use it the <laughs> right way. Well, interestingly, even though the title is in Klingon script on the episode, if we accept the Roman letters translation of the episode as the episode title, this is the first Star Trek episode to begin with a lowercase letter. Really? Mm-hmm. See, I never would have even thought about that. I wouldn't have either, but but Memory Alpha says that's the case. So, And when they said that, I thought back, and I think they're right. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to think back, and I can't think of anything that where it started with a lowercase letter. So, yeah, I guess that probably is true. I don't know. There's your little bit of trivia for this episode. But uh, the translation of the episode is apparently three ships is what we douge means. So that's a very fitting title for the episode because this episode features, for the most part, three different ships and the Lower Decks characters aboard them, including, of course, the Cerritos and our main characters. But we also have a Klingon bird of prey. And a Vulcan ship, and we get to see the Lower Decks characters from those ships as well. So, Bruce, what did you think of this when you were watching this and, you know, they're showing the Cerrito stuff and then all of a sudden we see a Klingon bird of prey and they're introducing us to these new characters. Did you think this would be like an ongoing thing through the episode or did you think it was just like a one-off little throwaway joke? 
I thought it was going to go throughout the whole episode. When they showed the Klingon ship and they showed the lower decks, I was like, oh, this is so cool. You know, I, I love this idea of seeing what the lower decks would be like on a Klingon ship. This is going to be really fun. And then they went to a Vulcan ship. And at that point, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to see the Ferengi ship and the Romulan ships, <laughs> lower decks. Like, I was like, I hope I see them all. And they just stayed with these. Well, for the most part, I can't say I was disappointed because I really like how they played this out. And even when this episode started with our lower deckers in the mess hall eating, I have been craving a taco salad ever since I've seen Mariner's taco salad. That looks so good to me. That's funny because ever since I saw Rutherford and his burrito, I've been craving a burrito. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go get some now. <laughs> that sounds awesome. I can't even remember what Boimler was eating. I just remember Rutherford's burrito and his little purple cupcake. <laughs> yeah, and I remember Tendi had some kind of like pasta or soup or something. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what it was. It didn't wasn't appetizing. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they're making use of that new replicator they got. You know, they're trying a bunch of new recipes and stuff. That'd be cool. It would have been funny if Tendi was be like, mmm, pesto. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, so the story on the Cerritos is they're on a 12-hour warp. So they're on a long trip, a bunch of downtime. People have some time to pursue their own activities. And it seems that each of the Lower Decks crew members are kind of doing a buddy-buddy thing with someone on the senior staff, except for Boimler. So he's definitely feeling left out. We've got Mariner hanging out with her mom, the captain. We've got Rutherford hanging out with Shax and apparently Billups as well. And Tendy's hanging out with Dr. Ta'ana and mountain climbing on the holodeck. But poor Boimler doesn't get to be paired with anybody. Once again, poor Boimler, you know? He's like the Charlie Brown of Star Trek. I just thought about that. Aw, poor guy. Yep, see, right, because if you watch Peanuts, you would be saying, oh, poor Charlie Brown. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, does that mean Rutherford Linus? I could kind of get behind that. Oh my gosh, yes. We have to think about that. <gasps> yes, and Mariner is Lucy. She's the one who keeps pulling the football away from Boimler. <laughs> totally, totally. Maybe Tendy would be Charlie Brown's younger sister. I maybe? was just thinking Sally, yeah. Sally, that's her name. Yeah. yeah. It's been a long time since I've read or watched The Peanuts. Because Sally has a crush on Linus, and she's always trying to get his attention and always hang out with him. So in oh, a way, yeah. you know, Tendy's always trying to hang out with Rutherford and be good friends, you know? Okay. <laughs> I, I've never done this. I've never, I've never made this request, but I'm putting out a call to our listeners, and I know there are great artists in the Star Trek fan community, and I'm sure... Among our listenership, I want to see the Peanuts gang or or the Lower Decks gang as Peanuts characters. I, I want to see that. I think that would be beautiful. I would love to see that, too. <laughs> and they don't have to use what we put together. You can if, if it's a different uh, Peanut character than what we said for one. Yeah, whatever you want to do. I'm just curious to know who's going to be Snoopy. That's what I Absolutely. want to know. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't even have to be as Peanuts characters, maybe just the crew in the Peanuts style or something like that. So yeah. I don't know. I don't want I don't want to stifle anyone's artistry, whatever they have in mind. I, I just I want to see this. This sounds like fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if that doesn't, you know, appeal to you, do the Simpsons or something or I don't know. Yeah, this could be fun. Oh, maybe we need to do like a positively Trek art contest someday. 
Oh my goodness. This is what I've talked about in this episode. This was just all off the top of my head. It's nothing formal, but maybe someday if people are interested, we should do like a lower, uh, not, not just lower decks, sorry, a, just a positively Trek art contest of some kind. I think that would be a lot of fun. Well, you know, I'm a big Brady Bunch fan, as some of you might know. <laughs> so <laughs> I been thinking a lot lately how I want a series like Lower Decks, but in the Brady Bunch universe. I think it would be mm. hilarious. And maybe it's a family that lives in their basement. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, I need something like that. Anyway, I just had to get that off my chest. Or maybe you could go like really meta and it could be like the set dresser and like the electrician and the, you know, so-and-so that like work on the set of Brady Bunch or something. There you go. Oh yeah. Oh, I like that idea too. Yeah. The lower decks of the show, the Brady Bunch. Yeah. (laughs) Ooh, I like that. Okay. My head's spinning. All right. Let's concentrate on lower decks. Star Trek lower decks. (laughs) All right. Well, yeah. So we've got Mariner and Captain Freeman hanging out. Uh, What did you think of their whole thing where, you know, she's wanting kind of mommy daughter time and Mariner's not that into it. Or so we think from this episode, right? She's like, oh, I got to hang out with my mom. She wants to spend time with me. What did you think of this whole story? And then like we can even talk about how it resolves because I actually think that's kind of sweet how it wraps up. I think that Mariner really doesn't in some ways want to hang out with her mom, but she does because Mm -hmm. I know there's times where my mom calls and is like, Oh, we haven't seen you since last weekend. And I'm like, yeah, that was just last weekend. (laughs) And that's, that's the way things normally should work. (laughs) Right? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Mom, I know you listen to this sometimes. I'm, I'm just kidding. But then, you know, she'd be like, well, you know, why don't you meet your father and I for lunch today? And sometimes I'm like, I mean, I do and I don't, you know, I don't really want to go. Okay, I'll come or whatever. But then afterwards, you know, it's good to see them. I give them hugs and kisses goodbye. And I'm like, that was so nice. It was great to see. So I kind of get that with Mariner, Mm -hmm. like the whole, like, I really don't want to. I mean, the thing that is a double whammy for her, it's not just her mom. But it's the captain, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you want to spend your day off with the boss of the whole ship? Yeah, that's a good point for sure. You you make a very good point. Like at first it seems like an obligation, right? right? But then by the end, her mom gives her this really heartfelt, you know, Beckett, it was really nice hanging out with you today. It really, really felt nice. And you see Mariners had this like kind of like scowl on her face and like listening to these stories and uh and all this stuff. And that facade just kind of breaks a little bit. And she says, you know what? It was fun for me too, mom, or, or something like that. And that was really sweet. I liked that. That was a little bit of a nice bit of humanity for these characters. Yeah. And it wasn't a big part of the episode, of course, but I mean, yeah, I liked it. And I liked them fighting on the holodeck, just kind of getting their feelings out. And they're just talking about, <laughs> you know, bad cramps and stuff as they're shooting at each other. And Boimler's hitting the button to get out over and over and over. Like, let me out. Let me out. <laughs> That was great. I should point out that uh, that was a nice little bit of a continuity reference. The game they're playing on the holodeck is Velocity, and we see Janeway playing that with Seven of Nine in Voyager, I believe in the episode Hope and Fear, where they're shooting the little disc that's flying around and trying to hit each other with it or something. I don't know the rules. It's kind of hard to tell, but that looked like a lot of fun, and I love those little callbacks like that. Okay, so I'm going to really test you now. So Hope and Fear, 
Season and episode number. Oh, that one's actually easy. I don't usually know episode numbers, but is it is the finale of season four. It uh, is the okay. final episode of season four. So okay, very good, very good. Well, let's move on to Rutherford, who is apparently he's going to be hanging out with Billups, but then he uh, he's going to try a soup recipe. That's what he's doing with Billups. Uh, but then after that, he's going to throw some pottery with shacks. <laughs> and that's the part that we actually see. And uh, it's nice big pottery class, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> shacks. Shacks is great in this episode, too. You know, getting his feelings out and putting his anger into his pottery making. That was really kind of sweet. I don't know. There's something about that scene. That's probably one of my favorite scenes in this episode. I don't know why I found it so funny that they're all doing pottery making. And I think it's because how many people are in there doing it. And we've never seen that on Star Trek before. It just Mm -hmm. is kind of funny to me. And then, yeah, he takes it all out, you know, and Boyma just asks him something about back, you know, when you're on Bajor and and just gets all upset. We don't ask about Bajor. We can't ask. Okay. (laughs) Rutherford's trying to calm Shax down and put him in his happy place and, you know, then Shax decides he's going to make a little ashtray, a little, what was it? A little <laughs> puppy is an ashtray. And Rutherford's, yeah, it's a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in the clay, Papa Bear. Put it in the clay. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, lo- I think that's so sweet that he calls him Papa Bear after, you know, Shax has been calling him Baby Bear. That's that's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Their porridge, some, their porridge is too hot, too cold, or just right. <laughs> I will say there was a mention, I think, in the episode Veritas last season where Boimler says something about missing a pottery class or something because they're in this prison. We've known that that it exists, but Boimler seemed to have drifted away from pottery class, I guess, in the meantime, and is just now coming back to it through uh, trying to hang out with Rutherford and, and Shax, so... I guess it just gets a little funny to me. Not, I mean, it makes sense that they could be doing pottery. I mean, I think that's cool. I think I find it a bit funny because usually when they're doing recreation in Star Trek, it always seems to be something a little futuristic. It has to do with the holodeck or something. So to just see like something that we would do nowadays, just I found a bit amusing. It's almost like on mm-hmm. Enterprise when they're watching old black and white movies from the early 20th century. You know, <laughs> yeah. Or my mind went to TNG where like Picard's taking part in that painting class and they're all standing around the, the nude model. painting. Yes. That's kind of where my brain went with this one. And I'm like, yeah, why not pottery as well? I mean, you can just replicate something, but there's still got to be room for that creative side, right? Yeah. You have to have that creative element. You know, you don't want everything just be made for you. You want to make things yourself and put your own creative spin on things as the clay is spinning. Absolutely. Well, my favorite of these little diversions where the the lower deckers are hanging out with the senior officers is Ta'ana and Tendi on the holodeck climbing Mount El Capitan, much like we see in Star Trek V The Final Frontier. They're not free climbing, though. They have equipment, unlike a certain captain who wants to make love to the mountain. And I guess that's not the captain. That's more the actor that plays it. But anyway. <laughs> well, wait, because there's a song, right? There's a song. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've talked about this once before, where what mm-hmm. Shatner's being interviewed 
on the set yes. of The Final Frontier, and he says, making love to the mountain. And then somebody edited that into a song. Yeah, and the main the main through line is, Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? Which is, and then, yeah, it's it's great. <laughs> it's great. Uh, Shatner of the Mount, I think, or something like that. If Just Google that, you'll find it. It's terrific. But I love this bit where, yeah, the two of them, Tendi and T'Ana, are climbing the mountain. And Boimler rocks up with his, like, gravity boots, the little jet boots like we see Spock wear in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. And he's wearing this sweatshirt that says, go climb a rock, like Kirk in that movie as well. That was a great little shout out. I was killing myself laughing at that. Yeah, I was laughing at that too. Uh, just the shirt was hilarious to me. <laughs> I never really liked the shirt, you know, in Star Trek five. It just was like a little too much. I remember seeing a fan edit where they were able to take that out, which I kind of preferred, but now hmm. I like it because since Boimler wore the shirt, Next time I watch Star Trek Five, I'm going to laugh at that and think how Boimler was wearing a shirt like that. Yeah, that's funny you didn't like that because that was the one, like, when Inovos, the company that used to make the the wardrobe replicas and stuff, they're defunct now. They're, there's, there's a whole thing around that, which we're not going to talk about. But one of the later products they put out in their run was the bomber jacket like Kirk wears in Star Trek V and, and other films and stuff. And that was the one cosplay that I thought might be really fun to do would be that jacket worn loosely over a shirt that said go climb a rock on it with a pair of jeans because that's like the one Star Trek cosplay I could do wearing jeans. And uh, I thought that would be a lot of fun. But unfortunately... That, you know, however much it was, $500 jacket never came into my possession. <laughs> no, no. But I agree with you. If you had to go climb a rock with, yeah, that would have been cool cosplay because that's coming right from the film. Sometimes when I watch these lower decks and they recall something from a past Star Trek episode or movie, I think about people who are maybe watching lower decks as their first Star Trek or one of their first Star Treks. And when they go mm. to watch older Star Trek stuff, somebody will go to Star Trek Five and go, look, Boimler's shirt. He's wearing Boimler's shirt. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, the other good thing out of this episode is now we don't need that bomber jacket to do that cosplay. You can just wear the sweater or the sweatshirt that says go climb a rock. So. Well, now that there it's we made its appearance on Lower Decks, I wonder if we will get that shirt in the Star Trek store because I'm sure we're going to get the Ritos shirts. I was going to bring that up next. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I hope we do get that shirt and the Ritos shirt, which, you know, is done in the style of the disco shirt that we saw in Star Trek Discovery. But we get Ritos for Cerritos. We see Captain Freeman wearing that in her scenes. That's awesome. I would love to see that. I'm just trying to imagine I'm out in public wearing a Ritos shirt. And someone's probably going to say something to me, like ask me what that is. And I mean, I don't even know, like, well, there's this Star Trek cartoon. I don't know if you've seen it. And the ship is the, called the Cerritos. And they'll be like, wait, what is he saying? <laughs> you know, or maybe <laughs> I'll just say, oh, it's supposed to say Fritos on it, but they forgot the F. Oh, see, I would I would say I'm just on leave. I'm on the USS Cerritos. Oh, very good. And they'll be like, there's no USS Cerritos in the Navy. What? Yeah. <laughs> They'll look at me and they'll go, but he's old and out of shape. <laughs> oh, they'll say the same about me. I'll just say, I retired from serving on the USS Cerritos. There you go. Yeah. 
Definitely. Well, my favorite line from this, though, I just have to go back to this, is uh, when Boimler's rocket boots kind of sputter out and he starts plummeting. And Tendi says, oh, good thing the safety protocols are on. They they are on, right? And Ta'ana says, I don't know. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't care. <laughs> oh, that was wonderful. That was so good. All right. Well, let's uh, let's pop over to the Klingon ship. We briefly talked about them, but we've got these four lower deckers and we kind of focus on this main one who is going to be getting uh, helm duty on the bridge that day. So he's very excited about his chances for honor in that position. Uh, and he's hoping that he might get the position of first officer because apparently the first officer has been acting dishonorably and he might might have to challenge him or something for his position. What did you think of these four lower deckers and especially this guy that we're kind of focusing on here? I like this guy that we're focusing on because he does seem like somebody who could be a first officer, maybe even lead a ship someday. So I hmm. like seeing his storyline. <laughs> the problem though well, I shouldn't say the problem, but I enjoyed the Klingon story, but I never really found it to be all that humorous. There were some humorous mm -hmm. moments in it, but to me, it just felt like what we would see on a Klingon ship without being, it could have been on TNG. It could have been on any Star Trek series. There's certain bits that I, I thought were pretty funny personally, like him having to walk the Targ and that kind of thing. That was kind of cute. And I did love them like mocking Vulcans and giving like the live long and prosper sign and saying, avoid death and cower. <laughs> yeah, right. I did I have, that was great. I did have a favorite line where Klingon blood runs as reddish pink as ever. I did like that mm -hmm. one because <laughs> Star Trek six and that reddish pinkish purplish blood flying around, you know? So I, I, yeah. I like that. And we get to see that color blood in this episode as well. Yeah. when that, that Klingon story kind of culminates. So yeah, apparently the Klingons, or at least this Klingon captain, has been helping the Pakleds. That's kind of a big revelation yeah. that uh, we're finding out here. And this Veruvian bomb that we've been hearing about for the last few episodes that they're going to plant on Earth, that was actually provided by the Klingons, or like I said, this Klingon anyway, who seems to be going a bit rogue here. Yeah, but now he's dead. So is that all going to end? I mean, the Pakleds have one bomb now. Yeah, it could be. Well, like you say, uh, so this, this lower decker who's running the helm challenges the captain because he's acting dishonorably. The Federation, they're our allies and the Vulcans show up too. And we'll get to the Vulcans in a bit, but you know, the, the Klingons are helping the Paclids against them and this is dishonorable. They're attacking our allies and stuff. And we get this great kind of battle for command of the ship and our lower decker is the captain at the end. Thanks to the help of the Targ that he looked after so well when he was walking him and helped him make an honorable passing of a leg that he had eaten earlier. <laughs> <laughs> that Targ really likes him, you know? He helped him out, and now he's cuddling up to him. So is this a foreshadow that Boimler is going to be a captain? Oh, interesting. I could see that. I could see, you know... There's some things from this season that could be uh, showing us a bit of foreshadowing of that with some of the stuff from a few episodes ago and then, you know, making the parallels between him and this guy. I could see that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that Boimler's going to kill Ransom or anything like that <laughs> and then Freeman. 
And I don't think he'll be captain by next season. But, you know, maybe down the road, we really will see him be a captain someday. And this is the clue that shows that the lower deckers will get to a high rank, especially those who are really ambitious and are eager to get up to the upper echelon of their command. Speaking of ambition and eagerness, one might say that those are emotions and not really befitting a Vulcan. But we do find ourselves on a Vulcan ship next with the lower deckers of that vessel. And (laughs) every scene with the lower deckers from the Vulcan ship, especially this one Vulcan that we kind of focus on there, just brought a huge smile to my face to see these Vulcans. We don't see a lot of of Vulcans interacting with Vulcans without any kind of outsiders. The closest I could think was the Enterprise episode Carbon Creek, where we see Tamir and all of them in the past, in Earth, not in Earth's past, their present, but they'd crash landed on Earth in the 50s to Paul was telling the story of her ancestor and stuff. And some of those scenes, they're the closest that I can think of as analogous to this episode, where we just see Vulcans interacting with each other with no like humans around or anything like that. I thought that was wonderful. I enjoyed every moment of these bits of the episode. I did too. And it made me think how I would like to see some kind of spinoff from Lower Decks. I'd like to see an animated series that focuses, I think it might be a little much to focus all the time on the Vulcans, but, you know, like whether it be the Klingons or the Vulcans or something else, I think that would be a lot of fun. And then I thought, in a sense, I would like to see a Lower Decks short treks type series, Hmm. you know, where it's short animated, it's animated shorts And maybe one of them is about Vulcans and one's about a Klingon family and one's about a Cardassian deli or something, you know, and it has that kind of style of lower decks to it that just kind of goes off beyond what we see in the show. And so Mm -hmm. we can explore those different aspects we've never did in a TV show or movie. It's like I said, I mean, I'm joking around when I say a Cardassian deli. But if you saw something like that, Dan, you would be saying, you know, that's something we never really saw, like in Deep Space Nine or anything. A bunch of Cardassians that are just everyday Cardassians that are just working in a retail establishment or a restaurant, what that relationship would be like, right? I mean, it would Mm -hmm. be kind of funny to see that. Yeah, it's one of those... It's it's one of the few times that I'm going to complain about modern Star Trek. Bear with me. I'm not. It's not a huge complaint. Basically, it's that we only have ten episodes, yeah. and that would be something that if this were the days of yore and Star Trek Lower Decks came out and it was like a twenty-two or twenty-four episode season, I would love like if later in the season we went back to these ships. And even just had a whole episode set on that Vulcan ship or a whole episode set on that Klingon ship or something like that. I think that would be a lot of fun. And and maybe I'd eat my words. Maybe it's better in small doses. I don't know. But I just so enjoyed these little excursions. And especially, like I said, the Vulcans. (laughs) Like how this one... To uh, this one Vulcan, to us, the things she's saying are not outlandish or unreasonable or anything like that. But she keeps getting accused by everybody as, of having these outbursts and yeah. these 
gross displays of emotion. She's and, and losing control. <laughs> she's a loose cannon. Yeah. She's, <laughs> if they, if they used metaphors like we did. Yeah. I, I love like anytime she says something that is remotely outside the bounds of the way the Vulcans act. We see like the reaction, like the single eyebrow goes up like, aha, uh-huh. emotion. You know, I I loved that. I can't put into words exactly why I enjoyed these bits so much, but it was just so much fun. And all of the voice actors doing the Vulcans did such a good job like that. I feel like that's such a hard thing to do that, you know, this supposedly emotionless Vulcan speech, but it was all perfect. And like, I could hear the little inflections. Like it was just all so well done. So I mean, I kind of agree with you, but okay, here's where we're going to differ on this. I wasn't that sold on it because to me, it sounded a lot like, especially the main character, what's her name? Talyn. Mm-hmm. It sounded to me like what you go to those sites where you type in a sentence and you have a voice read it to you, those automated mm-hmm. voices or whatever. That's what it sounded like to me. And I started questioning, mm. is this really an actress doing this or did they just type in some phrase into some program and it's just reading it though, you know, what you wrote, you know, it's like, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know, those things like mm-hmm. sometimes even podcasters do it where it says like, you're listening to blah, 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 blah. And they just typed it into some program and the computer voice read it. That's what it came across to me. And then I thought it's either, it sounds like that to me, or if it is, which I think it is, the actress and the actors or whatever all doing this, that maybe it's sped up a little because there was something in there that just sounded a little unnatural to me. Hmm. I didn't get that at all. I, th- I thought, I mean, it sounded unnatural to me in that it sounded like Vul- like the way Vulcans speak. Like I thought, I just thought they did a really good job of capturing that Vulcan mode of speech personally. Yeah. I thought they did wonderfully. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those programs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I know. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. So the whole time I'm listening to talk, I'm like, is that it? Is that is that from? Because <laughs> it sounds just like it to me. Hmm, that's funny. I just I just thought they did a perfect job doing the Vulcan speech pattern. Like I was thinking like I w- it would not be out of place to hear like a bit of Leonard Nimoy from the original series when he's doing his very dispassionate Spock. Like if there's a character voiced by somehow Leonard Nimoy from 1966, like I'd be like, Oh, that would fit in perfectly here. But I love, so to Lynn, I love this character. I thought she was wonderful. She brought just like this little bit of snark to the role. And uh, the fact that her suggestions, her gut instinct, as she says, which is so strange to hear a Vulcan say that she's pursuing these projects and they nine times out of 10 turn out to be useful and valuable. And the captain on two occasions in this episode implements something that she suggested because it's the it gets them out of a jam or you know, it's worth investigating. I thought that was wonderful. Yeah. And I really liked it that the captain eventually says, I'm going to relieve you of duty. And she's like, oh, okay, well, I'll pack my bags. And I then I immediately thought, wait, there's a good outcome to this. Is he going to send her to Starfleet? And sure enough, he's like, you're crazy mm-hmm. ways. You'd fit right into Starfleet. And 
I thought, yeah, that's perfect. She would be a perfect Starfleet officer, right? Because yeah. she thinks outside of the box and she's just not just regulated to this is how we do things and this is the only way we do it. And it, there's only one way that's acceptable. That way of thinking and in, innovating and using her instincts is a perfect thing needed at Starfleet. And they would support that. And I love how she left the room and told him to live long and prosper. I, I didn't do that right. <laughs> I just know it had a bit of an attitude to it. It was great. Yeah, she was, live long and prosper, Captain. Captain, yes, that's it. <laughs> so good. And he's just like, so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the eyebrow just, <laughs> there's that eyebrow. <laughs> so great. So to Lynn, do you think we're going to see this character again? Because I really, really, really hope we do. Like, I want her to be on the Cerritos. I like this character. And yes, I think we will see this character again. I wouldn't be surprised if we see this character in the next episode. That would be great. Or or at least in season three. Like, I, she's good enough. And this is crazy for me to say. She's good enough that I would love if she became a main character somehow. I, I don't necessarily want them to take time away from the characters we know and love. But I feel like she would just add something to that group. <laughs> I also think we'll see that Klingon guy, too. I think we'll see that him again. That could be too, yeah. yeah. Now, what was the name of the ship? It was C-H-E-T-A. Is it Cheetah? Oh, the, the Klingon ship, ship was the Chita. Chita, I know. I was like, when I saw it say come up, I was like, please say, please call it Cheetah. Because I was hoping, I thought it'd be funny it was the Cheetah, but it was a, yeah, Chita. So I was a mm. little disappointed because I thought that would have been funny. Because I really like the Cheetos because it gets all over my hands, my fingers. <laughs> yeah. Well, we get to see some other Lower Deckers very briefly uh, towards the end. (laughs) Sorry. And I did, I have to say, I killed myself laughing again uh, with the Packled ship Lower Deckers. (laughs) And specifically, Red Alarm. Red Alarm. Red Alarm. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. I wrote that down. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm hungry. (laughs) Yeah, that was funny. man. That was terrific. Well, the last thing, though, we do get another set of Lower Deckers over the the closing credits, which I thought was terrific. And I've had this thought in previous episodes, and I can't remember exactly what it was that set it up, but a lot of shows will do the thing where they'll have different music over the closing credits, like specific to that episode or something. And there was some scene earlier this season that I was like, ah, it's kind of too bad they didn't extend that over the closing credits somehow. Like, I think that would have been really funny, but they always have to play just the, the theme music and that, like, it seems they don't deviate from that. But this episode, they did it. They pulled out, pulled out that trick where we see the lower deckers aboard a Borg cube and we see the four of them plugged into their alcoves. And that's all we see with the Borg like sound effects occurring every once in a while in the background. And then it just silently goes to the credits over top of these four. We follow them through the entire credits. Not one of them blinks. Nothing is said. That was perfect. I loved it. Yeah, as soon as they showed them and they were just standing there, I thought, okay, what's going to happen? And then I thought, oh, please, nothing. I just wanted (laughs) to just be this. I wasn't expecting the credits to come up during it. But yeah, that was brilliant because it just plays it longer and it gives Mm -hmm. them the time to do that. And I kept watching it thinking, is anything going to happen? 
Is there? And then I felt like I had to watch it again. I'm like, does a light change or does a color change on anything or does something happen? And nope, they're all just standing there. Nothing changes. So the other thing I really enjoyed about this episode was you have these these disparate things happening on these ships, but they do all come together at the end of the episode. And I found that really enjoyable where, you know, we see the Vulcans detecting the Metreon radiation. That's what draws them to the area because the Paclids had set off this bomb. The Klingons are there, of course, because the captain is dealing with the Paclids and the Cerritos discovers you know this going on and come comes upon them as well and so all of them kind of converge at the end i enjoyed that i loved that it wasn't just like oh we're visiting these one-off things and they're kind of all all divorced from the main story i love that it all comes together at the climax of the episode yeah and i really like the battles too i mean visually mm-hmm. the ship battles were really cool and i love seeing all the ships going yeah i like everything coming together you know and you know the klingon lower decker that becomes captain is a good klingon right he knows that these are our friends these aren't our enemies we should not be doing this there's no honor in this this is not what we do And so he leaves. He stops all this stuff from happening. Now the Cerritos and the Vulcan ship just have to deal with the Paclids. But of course, I love seeing that Vulcan ship zoom in too earlier to help the Cerritos out. So yeah, it was pretty cool. Just seeing seeing the Vulcan ship. Those are such cool ships. You know, Mm -hmm. I like those. And I love that it's a new design. So I'm like, hey, Eagle Moss, another one for you to make. (laughs) Right. This is the only way they redesign things. It's why they do it for Eagle Moss to make more ships for us. Right. Definitely. So any final thoughts and uh, rating for Way Douche? And I still hope I'm doing that right. (laughs) I think you are. Like I said, you're doing better than me. Yeah. I like this episode. I didn't like it as much as last week's episode. I like the story, though, more so, probably a little more so than last week's episode, I guess. But I just didn't find it as humorous as last week's. So usually I'll I'll rate an episode of Lower Decks High if I do a lot of laughing. So, Hmm. But this one, yeah, there were some chuckles in there. I did enjoy the Hawaii stuff with Boimler and Ransom and that whole thing. And then finding out they all lied and none of them live in Hawaii. Then they're all from Moons, but Boimler's from Modesta. And it's like, okay... I mean, Modesto. Then I like one of my favorite lines, which I'm going to use a lot of, is when Freeman says, the longest warp of my life. Wasn't it her? Wait, was it Mariner? It was Mariner that said that. The longest warp of my life. That's why I like that line. And uh, Rutherford's playing with a DS9 model. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) But the scenes of the battles, I also like the music sounded very Wrath of Khan. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah, very James Horner. Can't wait that for that soundtrack. Good. And another line I liked is, let's give the Packlets a taste of their own mushroom. So <laughs> I'm going to give this episode eight out of ten clay pots that are still in good condition and two are broke. I'm going to talk a little bit about this episode in terms of I don't know if this is completely how I feel about this episode 100% or if it's just because we're recording this on Thursday and I've just watched it a couple times for the you know the first look at it and I'm just coming off that high if it's maybe new episode energy or something like that but when I finished watching this with Nikki this morning I said to her I might have a new favorite episode of Lower Decks. Wow. 
Yeah. And again, I want to sit with it for a little longer. Maybe I'm just like coming off the high of watching new Star Trek, right? But my favorite episode to this point has been Crisis Point from season one. I just think that was an absolute high point for this series. This one I feel like is right up there. I really loved this episode. I loved the new characters. I loved the expansion of the the theme of Lower Decks to be not just you know, our people on the Cerritos, but also this idea that like, yeah, lower deckers everywhere are kind of lower deckers, except maybe the Borg. They're kind of their own thing, but it was still so much fun to see that concept made broader and explored a little bit more. I love that the further we get into this series, the less it is about you know, trying to establish everything and more about what can we do with this premise? What can we explore with this that's going to be new and different and something we've never seen in Star Trek before? And I just, I'm watching this episode thinking that it's now opening my mind to what Lower Decks can be even more than it was before, which I was like, this show is so versatile, it can do so many things. Now after this week, I'm like, I had no idea how many things this show could be and do because it's so cool. And the little callbacks, the little Easter eggs, those are always nice, but the breaking new ground and exploring new things in Star Trek is really what just gets me on side with what they're doing with this show. So, I mean, I can't give this, I think, any less than five various moons that people all across the Cerritos are from, except Boimler. <laughs> Poor Boimler. <laughs> Poor Charlie Brown. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. great. I know what you mean about the high, and you still may believe this even as days go by, but I've had that problem where it's like I'll go see a new Star Trek movie or a new Star Wars movie, and a lot of times I'm like, this is my favorite, and then later I'm like, why did I think that one was my favorite? <laughs> but you never know. No, I mean, it's a really good episode. I feel like this season is really knocking it out of the park, and each episode is just an improvement that just keeps mm -hmm. getting better and better. I know I didn't grade this as high as last week's, and I, uh, like I said, it's only because it didn't laugh as much. So there weren't as many funny moments. I mean, you know. There were no naked people. So, uh, you know, I had to take a point <laughs> off for that. So. Fair enough. But yeah. Fair enough. But no, to your point, I like, yeah, it can approach Star Trek and do things differently and explore different aspects of the galaxy of this universe, this creative universe that the other series haven't had a chance to do or never did. And again, that's why we like reading the novels and the comics and even the games and all that stuff, because it expands, it goes beyond than what you see typically on screen. And that just makes the whole universe so much richer. Well, with all of that said, this is, and I, as you, as you all know, I love this word. This is the penultimate episode of season two of Lower Decks. And next week we have the season finale of season two. It seems like just yesterday we started watching season two and now we're already at the end and it's bittersweet because like I'm excited to watch it, but I don't like Picard says in the first episode of Picard, I don't want the game to end. Have you been practicing that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just channeling my deep feelings. The Vulcans would be very ashamed of me. They would. You're just out of control. All these <laughs> outbursts are just crazy. 
but I know what you're saying. It's like I think about next week's episode and I think, oh, the season finale. Oh, that should be good. Oh, but it's going to be the last one of the season. Oh, but then we get Prodigy shortly after that. You know, so I have these highs and lows, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, until next week, uh, I guess that's it for this episode of the Lower Decks Review Show. Bruce, where can people find you when they want to hear about all of the other stuff that you're talking about and doing on the internet? Well, all my other stuff that I'm talking about can be found at Admiral underscore Rex on Twitter. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. And then I'm also on the Star Wars report whenever Riley tells me to come on. And which may be soon, because there is some talk about talking about Star Wars books, the publishing end of Star Wars in upcoming episodes. So we'll see if that plays out. And then I've been occasionally on literary treks as we explore some of the last of the Typhon pack books. You can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats, that's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S, youtube.com slash Kurtrats Productions, and in the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook, which uh, is, like I've said before, pretty pretty much my favorite place to hang out on the internet. So uh, lots of great discussions happening there. Thank you so much to the Patreon supporters for your help with these episodes. We really do appreciate it. Patreon.com slash Positively Trek. If you are financially able to help support the podcast, if not, that's totally okay. This podcast is free and always will be. So thank you all so much for listening this week. We'll see you in the next episode. And until then, I want you all to do your best to stay positive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.